Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Yes, it is August. I'm so happy that it's August. August means we have our Happy Hour Live event coming up in a few weeks. I cannot wait to see almost 500 of you join me for these two nights with our friends, Cezanne Hendricks, Lisa Turkhurst, Ruth Simons, and Rebecca Lyons. What a phenomenal lineup we have going on. Also, I may or may not be excited that August is when my kids go back to school. But today, let's not talk about school. Let me tell you about our guests that we have. Today, my guest is one of the funniest girls that I know. She cracks me up on her Instagram stories, especially her Bachelor recaps. And I have seen maybe 45 minutes of the Bachelor season that just ended with Hannah from Alabama. But I love Becca's recaps on her Instagram stories. She's also so dear to my kids. And so I'm a big fan of Becca. We met through our church while she was a resident. She is a very talented woman. She's a creative photographer storyteller, who's also an experienced actress. We talk about her story as a young single woman doing the work to heal and reconcile from childhood wounds from her parents' divorce. Becca shares with us the part of herself that can suffer with depression and how her happy demeanor kept her in denial before admitting depression was a struggle. We also talk a bit about what it was like to grow up and to continue to live in a majority culture church. I asked Becca some direct questions regarding this, and I'm so grateful for her generosity to talk super candidly with me about this. I hope as you listen to Becca and I talk that you'll be thankful for her story as much as I am. I really love having conversations with those who are in different stages of life than me, different ages, different races, and different experiences. And my hope is that we can all come together and see life through different people's lenses and also know that we are always better together with each other. Before we jump into Becca's conversation that we had, I want to tell you about something that we have going on right now that you are going to want to know about. You know I've said before that we love making the happy hour for you, the listener. In fact, that's why we do this show is I think about every single person listening to the show. When I'm interviewing someone, I think about what do you want to know? Where should this conversation go? How do we bring great content to you? Well, we want to make sure that we're always giving you the best content, and we want to listen to what you say is important to you, and so we have a survey. We've done surveys before in the past five years. This is the biggest and best survey we've ever done. It's going to give us the most information about you, the listener, how much more you want from the happy hour, how involved you are in the happy hour. It's your chance to tell us what you think. So I would love it if you would go take the survey for us. Go to jamieivy.com slash survey. That's jamieivy.com slash survey. For those of you that have already completed the survey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Seriously, it means so much to our team that you would share your feedback with us. One of the things that everyone's gonna get when you complete the survey is you're gonna have the opportunity to join our Patreon group for one month for $1, which means during the month of September, you get to see and try out everything we do over on Patreon page 
only for $1. So you're going to get to come over to the party. I know you're going to love it. You're enjoy it. And that is our gift to you for doing the survey. Another thing that you're going to get, or maybe you're already a member of our Patreon page, we're going to give you free shipping on our merch store starting in September. And I'm telling you, we have great new merchandise coming that launches at Happy Hour Live. I cannot wait till you see it. One of my favorite shirts we've ever done is launching after Happy Hour Live. So you're going to get a free shipping code for the month of September as well. You guys, we love you. We always want to hear from you. And this survey is a great way to do that. So go to jamieivy.com slash survey. Okay, here is my conversation with my friend, Becca. Hey, Becca, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie. This is so fun to have you on the on the other side of the I microphone. Know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Usually, um, you're taking pictures of me. I am, because you're like my favorite model. You say that to everybody. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Listen, here's the deal. I don't care who you say it to, as long as you keep saying it to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to just encourage you just for a minute. Okay, welcome to the happy hour, Becca. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. We're real life friends, so I was just about to start talking to her like we weren't recording the show or anything, Um, but here we are. Um, Becca, uh, I met you through Mm -hmm. our church, Yeah. through the story team, Mm -hmm. which is a part of our church, the Austin Stone, and you were, were you interning there? I was a resident. You were a resident, Mm -hmm. which to people listening, that means- Basically, you are technically on staff at the Austin Stone, but you get to learn through a developmental program for the next two years. It's a great program. They have it it all kinds of different ways. But anyhow, Mm -hmm. we met that way. And then I've had you do a lot of pictures for me Mm -hmm. in the past year. Yeah. And here's what I want to say about you. Are you ready? Uh, Do you hate this? I don't. I love giving compliments, but receiving them, I'm just like, Okay. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Okay, well, here, I'm going to give you one. Okay. Um, When you take pictures of me, Mm -hmm. here's what everyone needs to know. If you see people like me or other people on the internet and we have pictures of ourselves, we don't enjoy that. That's (laughs) the most awkward thing I've ever done is to have my picture taken by myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is what it is. We just have to do it sometimes. But you make me feel good and look good in pictures. Oh, I mean, like the way you tell me to move feels like the weirdest thing. And the first time I think I was like, Becca, I can't do this. This is dumb. And you're like, just do it. And then the pictures are amazing. Yes. So you're really good at your job is what I'm saying. Thank you. It's kind of like being a director on a film set. How I like to envision it. I like to give people just like paint a picture for them. And then hopefully they go with it. If they don't, then just got to get more creative. (laughs) I am working on my uh, no teeth smile mm-hmm. and soft you, smile. my soft smile. <laughs> yes. You were coaching me through it every time. I yes. think the last time you took my pictures, I took the best soft smile I've ever yeah, had in my entire you life. You nailed it. I'm I was working like, on it. I didn't even have to tell her. Oh, like it was I am working on it so much. So anyhow, yes. that's how you and I know each other. We yes. met at church and then you've done a bunch of photos for me. Yeah. Um, but here's why I invited you to come in here. Okay. <laughs> Another thing. I remember casually talking to you about something mm-hmm. and- you mentioned depression mm-hmm. and it took me like, I went, what? Yeah. Because, and this is, I think this is an important conversation to have and we're yeah. going to jump into it in a minute. But I remember thinking, Becca? Right. <laughs> like, would you call yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I'd say I'm 60% extroverted. Okay. 40%. Okay. Yeah. But I remember, and you also mentioned to me like really struggling one day. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I would have never guessed that. Yeah. And it was like this pen in my brain of, you just can't label people and yeah. you never know who's going through what Yeah, by the way that they may outwardly show themselves. Yeah, And so I thought, you know what? 
I'm going to make Becca come into my office. I'm going to make her sit behind the microphone yes. and I'm going to make her talk about hard things. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm in a counseling <laughs> session. <laughs> But I love it. I'm for it. It's not going to be a counseling session. But first of all, I also did not know this about you, that you are a dual citizen. Okay. Tell me this. I Tell everybody this. Okay, everyone. um, Right now, I feel a little bit embarrassed because I texted my dad. My dad said, as a kid, so both my parents are from Zimbabwe, Africa. As a kid, I had a second passport that made me a dual citizen but then it expired and Zimbabwe actually had new laws come in. So I'm literally no longer a dual citizen because of their new laws. Okay, this so, is like the worst thing that's ever happened. I mean, what? I Zimbabwe, what's the deal? I, I don't know. They need to get it together. Yes. So you're full Zimbabwean. I don't yeah. What would you say? I would say- I um, mean, how do you yes. say that? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwean. Zimbabwean. Yeah, it's like a really nice okay. flow to it. Okay. Yeah. And can you educate our listeners? Not that I don't know, but can you educate our listeners as to what part of Africa Zimbabwe would be in? Yes. Zimbabwe is in Southern Africa. So it's right above South Africa. Okay. Have you been back? I haven't. I, I haven't mean, back. Been, you've never been there. I have been there. I went when I was three and seven to visit my grandparents that I never met on my dad's side. Yeah. Okay. So, a lot of history there. So you haven't been back since you were seven? No. Okay. It's expensive. I feel, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? Like, I don't have very many memories of when I'm seven, mm-hmm. but that's a big trip. So you have memories yeah. of that? Oh, yeah. I remember meeting some of my cousins and it honestly felt like the set of Lion King. <laughs> it's like, obviously not as like lions roaming everywhere and hyenas, but I just remember like there being a big like house where my dad grew up at. And they called it a compound. So it was like made of bricks and it was a huge house. And then the pool was empty. There were like huge frogs everywhere. And then we like had these popsicles and everyone, it was just a different world and culture, but I loved it. Yeah. Like it was awesome. Uh, I've never been to Zimbabwe, but you should go. I hope I get to. Yes. Um, so we'll scratch that about you You'll you being dual citizen. Yes. You were so close. I was so I close. I mean, so close. My dad was like, do not misinform people. <laughs> so uh, your dad is here to set the record yes. straight. You're only citizen of one country. Yes, thanks, Dr. Vick. <laughs> Thank you. Gosh. Thank you. Oh my gosh, hilarious. Ooh. But you are first generation American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, so you also, we've already mentioned that you're a photographer. You've done photography for mm-hmm. me. Um, you also enjoy acting. I do. I love it. Where did this come from? Honestly, this started when I was a kid. I always knew I was a performer. My dad had this work party once at a resort and they asked some of the family's kids to get up and sing like a talent show. And I stuck up my hand and I went up there and sang Backstreet Boys. (laughs) And I loved it. I was like, I'm living for this moment. (laughs) And I think in that moment, it kind of clicked for me. And then I think also tied into parts of my story with kind of coping with pain. Acting was a really good outlet for me because it allowed me to kind of eject from my life and enter into another character and just pretend that my world wasn't as bad because I get to be in someone else's world. So is this when you were a child? Yeah. And are you speaking about your parents getting a divorce? Yeah. Yeah. So you were how old when that happened? That happened when I was 13. So 2008. Yeah. Yeah. I always, you know, divorce is just so absolutely difficult and devastating. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting to me just about just humanity and Mm -hmm. how people deal with pain differently. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you meet some people and their parents got divorced when they were younger and it, it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to right, them. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. th- it didn't affect them in other ways. And then you meet other people and it has genuinely affected their yes. whole world. Yeah. 
Would you fall into that category? I think so, because I kind of was in the camp of art was my outlet, but I didn't tell like anyone about it. I just tried to act like I was okay on the outside and just be what everyone else wanted me to be for like the time being. But deep within, I was just like tormented and I hated everything about my life. So, mm. And that's yeah. hard when you're 13. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard <laughs> yes. when I'm 41. It's, right. you know, and then you're 13. So, mm. so you grow up and you're into acting. When did yeah. you feel as though you were starting to maybe walk through this season of depression? Yeah, I think depression started to spiral in right after my parents' divorce around when I was 16. Um, and I graduated high school at that time. You graduated at 16? Yeah. How did you do that? It's because you were a dual citizen. They're like, no, let's get this girl out of here. Not, there's no special treatment for dual citizens. But so basically um, our high school had um, AP classes that were also dual credit. Okay, yes. And um, I took some and my counselor one day was like, hey, you're like four hours shy of being done. You want to just finish your junior year? And I'm like, yeah, get me out of here. And so wow. I finished at 16 and I was young for my grade. Yeah. I'm born in the summer, um, July. And then um, I graduated 16, went off to OU um, August of 2011. The so same year you graduated or yeah. you took a year? Oh, you the turned 17 that summer. Mm -hmm. You yeah. were a baby when your parents sent you off to college. A baby, but I was so ready to leave. Yeah. Like in my mind, I just wanted to like get out of my small town and the life that I lived the past four years because of the divorce. Yeah. So, yeah. Where did you grow up? What small town? Denton, Texas. Oh, I know Denton. That's yes. University of North Texas, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's my alma mater. I like oh, transferred. So you went in, you, then you came back to UNT. Yes. Call all day. Are y'all the Eagles? <laughs> yes, we're the See? Eagles. I like knowing you know mascots. It. Yes. It's this weird thing about me is like I if I can name too. a mascot, I feel so good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I looked into UNT. Okay. But yeah. So where did you go? I, well, where did I finish or where yeah. are all the where places did, yeah. I went? <laughs> where did you finish? I finished at Houston Baptist University. Okay. So you went off to college and yes. you're like, I got to get out of here. You're 17, yeah. you're a baby. Yeah. Okay, and I went off to Oklahoma. Right. And then as soon as I went off, this is the first time I was kind of on my own. And, and I knew, and I was following the Lord by then, but when I was that first year of college, that's when it all kind of hit. I'm alone and I need to like figure out what it's like to be on my own without my youth group and all the churchy settings I had in my old town. And um, that was really hard because I found myself not having as many friends as I had back in school with like the like all the busyness with sports. And that just really opened up the gate for the Lord to just show me that I hadn't dealt or coped with all of this built up sadness and frustration, anger and unforgiveness I had towards my mom. And, and just, it was a lot. It's a once. lot to happen all at once too. Yeah. 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 Would you, you're young. Yeah. Tell everyone how old you are. I'm 24 years old. I did. When you told me that a couple of weeks ago, I was blown away. I thought you were much <laughs> older. So that's a good thing. Yes. I mean, it's not a bad thing that you're 24. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. Right. I want to be older. You've lived yeah. a whole lot of life though. I mean, yeah. everything that you've gone through. So that was yeah. when you were 17. That's not mm -hmm. that long ago, Becca. Right, it's like seven years ago. Do you feel like you're in the middle of still working through that? Or do you have you seen, tell me about the growth that you've seen between 17 and 24. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I'd probably say I've seen the growth in the fact that God has really worked in my heart um, where He's allowed reconciliation between my mom and I, and our relationship isn't perfect. I just like I'm a work in progress. She's definitely a work in progress, and um, and a lot of the thing, a lot of the anger I had towards her, 
um, the Lord has helped me realize because of honestly Jesus, like I don't have to blame her for her brokenness and my dad's brokenness and a choice they both made. And, and I think because in their divorce, like my mom had left for a couple of months. So that felt like ultimate like rejection and abandonment. And I was like, I guess I'm not worthy to be loved by my own parent. And I didn't get that. That didn't make any sense to me. And so in my mind and in how I chose to survive, I was like, I'm going to like promise myself to not ever, like I'm going to love people well and try not to leave anyone unless obviously they like harm me physically or harm others. But in that, that was just a way for me to survive. But the Lord was like, hey, this is not the way. And um, that took some time. And I wouldn't say up until I moved to Austin, actually, three years ago, I got to have that hard conversation with my mom and apologize and ask for her forgiveness for having so much bitterness towards her and anger. Yeah. I mean, that's huge of even you feeling so hurt and abandoned by your mom and then you being the one to come to her. Yeah. And say, I'm really sorry for that. There had to have been a feeling that you had to fight of, this isn't my role to do. Oh yeah. Every day. I think if it weren't for, um, it was actually my supervisor at the stone. I I think he'll be okay with me using his name, Bush. Um, He had shared a story about some, uh, something his family had gone through that involved him making a really hard decision to forgive um, a parental figure. And I was just blown away because I was like, what? What? wait, why would you forgive him? And why why did that happen? And I was just so like my heart and the hardness I had in it was just like beginning to soften. And the spirit just like convicted me in that moment. I was like, I need to talk to my mom. Wow. And like, it's time to like, cause I always thought forgiveness was one-sided uh-huh. where it's like, okay, I made a choice in my mind and forgive my mom. It's fine. But the Lord was like, hey, <laughs> I've forgiven you much. You need to go talk to her and ask for forgiveness with all the bitterness you've had. And so, yeah. How did the conversation go? Um, I think the conversation went well. There wasn't like anything like weeping or anything like over the top. I just got to basically share with her the past seven years of all of the anger that I had and, and just basically extending the invitation. Like, will you forgive me for all of the ways that I've wronged you without you knowing? And she was just kind of taken aback and, um, she said, thank you. And, and it was cool to just like, be really honest with her because I think in my mind as being her daughter, I was thinking that I have to protect myself from the person that left me. Therefore, I'm never going to allow them to have the chance to hurt me again. But in that moment, I it was almost like I was releasing all of that pain, like where it needs to be. And that was just at the feet of Jesus. And my mom was just kind of confused yeah, and taken uh-huh. aback. And um, we just talked and then, yeah. Because it is, I mean, I've had people apologize to me before for right. things that they thought yeah. that I never knew about. Right. And so there, that you kind of can be a taken back, like, I didn't know you thought this about me. Right. Okay, I right. forgive you. But right. I feel like in that moment, this conversation was for Becca. Oh, yeah. And not for Becca's no. mom. Right. No. So since that conversation, mm-hmm. have you felt that release? Has it changed the way you view your mom? Or is this something you're still having to fight for? Yeah, I think it's something I'm still having to fight for because I have to kind of die to the narrative that I believe that um, the mom that I always wanted isn't who my mom is. And that was like, you know, I have friends that have really godly moms and I'm like, what's that like? You know, what's that like to want to call your mom and ask for advice and wisdom? But I just can't do that with my mom. Um, Just, you know, for 
in light of her own brokenness. And so it just wouldn't be healthy. And just knowing where she's at in her story, um, it's just not wise to do that at all. And so I think kind of currently, I'm just continuing to fight to just show her grace and show her love and um, just be present and not and not try and like let when those lies creep in that I need to hold something against her if we get in an argument because um, that happens so much mm-hmm. um, just to really be slow to speak because that's really hard with family. Yeah. Like I just, it's hard. It is hard. It is yeah. so very hard. And I think this is just another reminder for all mm-hmm. of us. Like yeah. even you sharing your story makes me think, man, there are these expectations that we put on people, whether that be parents, yeah. children, coworkers, whatever. And they can be really good and healthy expectations. Like you would want a yeah. good mom. Yeah. Like that's an expectation that's not bad. Right. Um, but what happens when people don't meet those expectations? Yeah. You know, what does that do to us as people? And, mm-hmm. you know, I can't help but think that it's just this perfect example of the people, no matter how close they are or what they're not, they're going to let us down. Yeah. You know, Literally. but I think on the other side, on the flip side, your side, mm-hmm. that it's hard to be let down. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so as much as your brain can say that, oh, I can't, mm-hmm. my mom's going to let me down. It still hurts. Yeah. It still hurts. Yeah. But you and your dad have a good relationship. We do. Oh, Dr. Vic. He's the best. What do you call him? Dr. Vic. Dr. Vic? (laughs) It's kind of an inside joke with me and some of my closest friends. Okay, but he is a doctor. Yeah, he is a doctor. Yes. Yeah. Not a medical doctor. No, he's a PhD public health doctor. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Vic. Mm -hmm. He's sweet. I love that. (laughs) Yes. You know, and it's interesting because I honestly, I, I hate if this has happened and I have forgotten about it. We've done a lot of shows here, but- I don't know that I have had someone on the show mm. um, talk about the loss of a mom like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of time we feel the loss from our daddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I've had from a divorce, not a death, but right. I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with someone who's walked through the hurt of that. Yeah. And so thank you for being vulnerable about thank it. You. Yeah. yeah. Does this scare you to be a mom? Wow. <laughs> I think sometimes like Mother's Day was recent and it, and I totally shouldn't have done this, but I like went on Facebook and everyone was posting about their mom. And I was like, I feel guilty. Like, should I say something about my mom? Yeah. But then that wouldn't have been real and authentic for me. And so I was just like, I'm just going to get off Facebook because it was just a big trap for comparison and envy. And that's the one of the best things you said all day. So there right. you go. Get off Facebook. It's <laughs> yes, a big trap. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it, it does scare me um, to be a mom in the future and more so on the side of with kind of the generational sins that have been passed on to me and my sisters, but obviously the gospel has redeemed us. I'm afraid that I know ways that I've inherited certain things from my mom and I don't want to do that on on the future kids that I may have. And so I get scared that either I won't be competent as a mom or what if even with depression that that kind of knocks me out in the sense that I can't be present and um, and I may not want or like being a mom. So, mm. yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, mm-hmm. I think that those would be really common themes, even for people who've walked their life with a really loving mom yeah. of just a new challenge brings new fears. And yeah. so just to help you out there. Um, okay, let's go back to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that a lot on the happy hour. I love yeah. talking about it because I feel like... Um, it's kind of this scary thing yeah. that people, 
And when I say scary, I'm going to talk about in the church. Right. Yeah. I feel like it can be kind of this taboo thing. Yeah. I tell this story in my book of, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I was talking to a really close friend of mine. Yeah. And um, it's this in, it's in the chapter of my book called Sin Shock. And I don't think depression yeah, is a it. sin, yeah. but I'll just, I, I tell the story in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was really struggling with depression and anxiety and yeah. gosh, who hasn't? I mean, you know, like I yeah. feel like they're situational that some people go through. Some people have, yeah. um, what, what's the correct word? If it's not situational, be more like it's medical. Um, yeah, it's like chronic, a hormone, chronic, chronic depression. Chronic depression. Yeah. So anyhow, she told me and mm. I said, have you talked to anyone at your church? And she said, well, uh, my husband is going through the process of becoming an elder. Mm-hmm. And she said, I just don't think this is a good time to bring it up. Right. And I was like, wait, this is the best time. Right. Like there's no bad time yeah. to reach out. And so I just, mm. it's an honor for me to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, and so thanks for being willing. Yeah. But so let's talk about depression. Okay. And I told oh, you, topic. and I don't know if it was a rude thing for me to say, and I don't mm. even think I said it to you then. I think mm-hmm. I just pen marked it in my brain yeah. of thinking, wow, I just would have never thought that. Yeah. And I think that is one of the sneaky things about depression. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking from just hearing what people say yeah. is that you isolate and you feel so isolated that you don't feel like that you can yeah. talk about it. So what is, yeah. how has depression played out in your life? Yeah. Man. And I know you mentioned already, like it started younger yes. when you went through your parents' divorce. Trauma. Yeah. yeah, trauma. Yeah, so I think depression for me, what's crazy about depression, even like within the church, I could never put the two in hand because mental illnesses aren't like the most talked about topics for the church. But I think it's definitely um, starting to be as like our culture is continuing to become more aware of it. And depression in my story has been kind of a roller coaster. Um, if you would have asked me seven years ago, do you struggle with depression? I'd be like, no, that's a weakness. I don't want to struggle with depression. But you did. It, but I did, yeah. And I was just so in denial. Like I wanted to avoid that topic. I wanted to avoid any claim over me. I kind of over-spiritualize it like depression sounds super demonic. So I don't want that on me. And so, um, but it's been something I've struggled with for a while. And I would say now it's kind of at its like, eight or nine year mark. And basically like my journey with depression has been after my parents' divorce, that trauma that happened through their divorce and that abandonment kind of triggered the depression to start because I had, I realized that the anxiety that I struggle with, I tend to shut down. I don't really get panic attacks. I just shut down and just start thinking like, this is how my life's always going to be. And it sucks. And nothing is the way that I wanted it to be. Therefore it sucks. Yeah. And I don't know what you're doing, God. So why do I, why am I even living? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't even want to live. And so that was the first like narrative that began around 16 and then leading up to even now in my young adult life. I think it's um, kind of spiraled into weirdly enough, like the Lord has allowed me to receive and accept the common grace of medicine in the family I grew up in, in Africa, medicine isn't really something that's relied upon. It's more like you pray or you drink water. Was yeah. kind of my mom's mm-hmm. MO and dad's MO of how they raised us, which is funny because my dad's a science guy. So right. I'm like, shouldn't you be? For which you should be praying and drinking right. water. Yes. But, <laughs> yes. Exactly. But we're not, that's right. not a, a good thing right. for depression. Yeah. Right. And so I had this shame built up mm-hmm. that medicine meant like now I'm like too weak minded and everyone's going to think that Becca needs to like get it together and just like get over it or like just like be grateful more and all these like should be doings that I put on myself. And, um, but like 
that's not the truth. And so and what pushed you to the doctor? My counselor, actually. Okay. Praise God for counseling. Yes. <laughs> she had, um, this was about two years ago. She had kind of, we had been talking through the same thing for two years, the same season I was finding myself in, just sad at the end in this pit, this darkness wouldn't lift. And I was just like, I'm so tired of this. And it was just a lot of language that she said was in relation to a lot of um, new mothers that had postpartum. Uh-huh. So she's like, will you just consider going to see this doctor? And she's a believer and she'll just ask you some questions and you consider medicine. And that freaked me out. I was like, she's done with me. She's given up on me. <laughs> now she's saying I need to go get like, I need to go get drugged. <laughs> like you but, felt like this was, this is the very last thing that could yes, ever possibly work yeah, for me. Yeah, like I think in my mind, I kept thinking it was like a mind over matter thing. Like I, if I could just get a little more mentally tough, I could beat this, but that's just not true. And some of it is even biological in the sense that I do have a chemical imbalance. And that's something I can't control. And medicine is the helpful um, factor in that. And so I went and saw my doctor and did this questionnaire. And she was like, hey, Becca, she was like, I love you and God's made you and you're free in him, but he also has made the common grace of medicine. And I think we should try you on this one. And I was like, okay. And and so we started off on a medicine um, last year in April and I went on one medicine and then that medicine didn't really pan out well. And so then she switched me to another medicine that I'm currently on. And it's been helpful, I would say. it's. I think it's helped me in the fight with depression. I would say I'm more functionally depressed than most um, people that describe may describe their depression. Like I can get up and go do my job and be productive. And just for the sake of like being at home and alone and, and wallowing is just not going to help me like at all. And yeah. so like, it's been, it's just been a fight in the sense that even, I would say that even in my current season and the season before that and the season before that, depression's just been the most <laughs> heavy cloud of darkness that remains. But I don't know, the Lord just uses it to really like get me on my knees. Yeah, Like it really just gets me on my knees in a lot of like tears and um, and begging for him to, to lift it, but also for him to just be near me. Yeah. And, and I think that's really kind of tying back to like the trauma and, the, and even like how my story begins with even the family life that I grew up in like all I really wanted was to be loved and known. And I feel like the Lord has used depression to help me believe that I'm loved and known by him. Wow. So would you say you're thankful for it? Yeah. I I would say I started saying that even like a couple of months ago. I was like, you know what? Um, I was talk- A friend and I were sharing our stories, how we met the Lord. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm thankful for depression because God's used that to really like crush this, um, pride of self-sufficiency that I had and and really crush even the fact that if he's all I have, then he, like, that's enough. Wow. You know? That's a big statement. Yeah. It's worth saying, though, if that's, you know, like, mm-hmm. you can see the Lord all in it. Yeah. There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. 
Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now, and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with the Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Native comes in over 10 scents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the pumpkin spice latte collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo, that's D-E-O, dot com slash Jamie Ivey. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivy, J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order. Um, okay, I want to ask you about a couple more things. Okay. Um, one thing that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, to me uh, before we started recording yeah. in our little survey that was sent out is about being um, a black woman in a predominantly mm. white culture. Yeah. Talk to me about this. <laughs> I love that we're just hitting all the hard topics. Hey, that's what we do at the happy yes, hour. I love it. Oh man. Okay. So I would say I can only speak from my experience. Um, I think I always put this pressure on myself that I need to speak on behalf of all black women, but I don't. And so just wanted to put that on the record. <laughs> so, you can speak for um, Becca. Yes, I'll speak for Becca. And so the experience I've had, um, so I grew up in the suburbs and we were like the only black family within like three blocks of each other in our little suburban area. I love the suburbs. Like it was great. I'm thankful and blessed to like been able to like go to private school and then go to public school. And I would say up until public school was when I started to experience a lot of really like direct racism like from teachers, from classmates, like being called the N-word, being just made fun of for the skin color I had. And I didn't really like care about it until it started like happening. And and this is like fifth grader me. And so I'm 11 in fifth grade and all this is like happening. And, and it sucks because I never thought like something was wrong with the way God made me until that started happening. 
And when that began, I just immediately shifted into like, I need to learn how to adapt. And I need to learn how to be sociably acceptable so that I can just be liked. And then that's like, okay. And so I think that's where it even rolls into um, when people say like, Becca, you're so sweet and outgoing. And, and sometimes that's just like a show for the sake of like, I just want to be able to find a place to fit in. And because if I can fit in, then I can just like lay low and maybe avoid someone mentioning um, something wrong about like the color of my skin. And so through that um, kind of leading up through just like getting to know the Lord. And then now where I've predominantly always gone to white churches, because I think when I first met the Lord, um, I just, <laughs> the church that I was at was a great church. It was non-denominational, um, whatever. And and like, I guess I just always had thought like the church itself was just full of like white people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God's people are mostly white people. <laughs> and like, cause I never gotten the chance to go to a black church and I've been to black churches before and they're great. I love the worship and, and I love just how long the sermons are. Yes. But, um, and it's like a revival in there, but that was not my experience with church. And so I'd always only seen church one dimensionally. And then up until I would say um, a couple of years ago, it started to hit seeing, like I had learned all about like black history, African history mainly. And being African too is a whole different like conversation than just being black American. Cause I'm also African. And so black Americans and Africans are different. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, so I had to learn like one history, another history. And it, I just always felt so different and far removed from either like black Americans that um, had this culture and then um, and then also being African, but I wasn't raised in Africa. And so it was just really hard. And then going to predominantly white churches, just I just felt like I was always an outsider looking in. I was just like, I don't fit in anywhere. So I need to fight as hard as I can to just fit in. And leading up to just kind of wanting to discuss this was just because the experience that I've had and still am processing and going through is the fact that the Lord has been helping me realize that there's a lot that I need to lament that I never allowed myself the opportunity to, and that I never thought I um, was valid to do that. Because a lot of the time, the experiences that I went through is that as a black woman, like I just need to get over it because what, what happened was in the past, which is not true in the sense that there's still racism going on and there's still injustice, there's still systemic racism, and there's still all these different kinds of um, inequality. And and it's felt almost every day. I would say when I first moved to Austin, I didn't know anyone. And, um, and I love the church that the Lord has allowed me to belong to, but I felt so uncomfortable. Like it was almost like I had like transported to a different world. And I was like, I'm uncomfortable every room I step into, every meeting, every conversation. And, and I think mainly what like bothered me or made me feel that uncomfortable is because was the fact that I just felt like I didn't belong because of my skin color. I was like, I don't know who I can be my real self with. I don't know if people are gonna be like, that's too much, you're coming off too strong or, um, cause I've heard that before. Like I've heard people be like, oh, you're, you're being a little bit too dramatic or um, you need to get over it. Or, um, or like as a believer, like you need to just, you know, take that to Jesus and doesn't need to be talked about. And I'm like, what? And so I just have been shut down. And so you get shut down enough, like you just go silent. And so I found myself silent for many years. And 
And being silent also is not the answer to the problem. <laughs> and so that's where the Lord has been really convicting and working on my heart. Um, because I would say I'm not in a place where I hate white people or I hate white evangelical church, but it is hard at times to know where I can step in and help others learn and be educated, but also not feel like I'm the token black girl of the church that has to be the voice or the, I don't know, the answer box for everyone that doesn't have a black friend in their life. Yeah. So why do you stay? Man, that's a good question. I think I stay because in a weird way, like the Lord has just given me a piece about staying. And I, I remember hearing the saying like, if you want to see a change somewhere, be the change. And like, I just really do believe that like, if I'm going to be about the gospel and reconciliation and even racial um, unity, like here I am, like I'm, I'm African-American, but I'm first a child of God. And then I get the opportunity to step into those really tough, uncomfortable spaces, which the Lord asks us to do is to be uncomfortable and trust that if he's going to use me in this space, then let him use me. Yeah. I think I'm just willing to let him use me. So, Well, I'm thankful for your honesty yeah. and vulnerability. That's very vulnerable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So can I ask you a question that people might be thinking? Yeah. So what I imagine people are thinking is, oh, I am um, white. Yeah. I go to a church that's mostly white. Yeah. Um, but there is a black person there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. like, oh, I've never thought about this from yeah. their point of view. Yeah. What is your like, if you could just yeah. sit all of <laughs> us down. Yes. Just in the fact of like, I mean, even me asking like, why do you stay? Like, you know, yeah. that uncomfortableness. So if that person's experiencing the same thing and they're of a minority culture and they're at a majority culture church, um, what is your, what do you say to those majority culture people? Yeah, I think I would say to the majority culture that if there is a black person at your church or a couple, or there isn't any, but you have a conviction to go out and, and step into that culture, just be their friend. Like approach us like, like you would legit. approach. Yeah. Approach us like you would approach your friend. <laughs> like we're not some like weird <laughs> aliens that are like, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know? Like we're people. Like we have the same blood you have. Um, our skin color is just different. Yeah. And I think that's where my heart's been softened by the close community I have of friends that are white. Like my best friend, Liz, like we have hard conversations. And her family is um like they're Southern and my family's African. We could not be any more different. Right, right. <laughs> but like the Lord has used this friendship to really like sharpen both of us to like really put into perspective, what is the main thing? Like, why are we even friends? And it's because of Jesus. Yeah. Like, and if, and something Eric Mason said, Dr. Eric Mason said when he was um, at called station at Breakaway preaching, he was like, because of the cross and the gospel, we as believers can talk about anything. And that just like hit me. And I was like, that's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. we can do it's this. Like, amen. Like yeah. we can do this. So it's like, go and ask them. Like something I've loved the most about kids. And this is why I loved a nanny is that kids do not care what they say. Mm -hmm. And they're not thinking about what they say. I've had kids say, 
Becca, you're brown. I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, what do you want to know about me being brown? Like, why are you brown? I'm like, well, that's how God made me. And they're like, I'm like, is that is that like a problem? They're like, no, I just want to know. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah, it's just different. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. And and they'll just ask like whatever they want to ask. And there's like that unashamed boldness that they possess, which I really like want for us to, for everyone in the church to have too. I love it. Well, I'm glad that you're my friend, not just so you can make me look good in photos, Yes, <laughs> which you do, um, but I love learning from you. I really am. I'm like, I love learning from you and being a listener and a learner. And so thank you for your voice and thank you for, you know, the willingness to stay and say, I'm going to, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be a part of the change. Um, cool. I know that you mentioned to me also that you have been walking through a season of suffering. Yeah. Um, and I definitely don't want to talk about specifics right. on the show, right. mm-hmm. but you've walked through some hard, a hard season right now with a mentor. Yeah. And I would love to talk about it without going into specifics because yeah. just like we talked about earlier about those expectations that we put on people, mm-hmm. two things that I hope come out of the conversation you're about to have. Yeah. Number one is people will fail us Yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will let us down. Yeah. People are not God. The second thing is mm-hmm. there is a huge responsibility with proclaiming the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so... I know the situation that you're talking about. And so it is, um, it saddens me about the the ripple effect of sin yeah. as well. And so you set the stage however you want, okay. but I want to talk about how you're walking through, because this is common. Anyone yeah. that is a human and especially anyone in the church is going to be let down by somebody. Yeah. How do we deal with that? How do we come to terms with someone that we looked at. This happened to me before. Yeah. Someone that I looked at, respected, they taught me Bible, and then all of a sudden you find out, fill in the blank. Man, that's a hard question. I would say I'm still in process of figuring that out. Like talking with my counselor a month ago, we just wept because that's all I could do because I didn't really have any words. Um, I was really mad at the Lord. I was just kind of like, why God? Like, why this person? Why, why this sin? Why, um, why is this happening now? <laughs> like there's some selfishness, but there's also just mainly the question of why. And I don't think he's really answered the why. And, and so in that. And he might not ever, right? right and I he mean, might not ever. And, and, and he's just to do that because he's God. And, and I think what it's showing me, even though this is all still very recent and raw and, like yesterday, I was crying about it in my car because I felt something about it. Yeah, and um, and it's just it's really heartbreaking. Um, I'm I guess I'm just learning to, I guess trust the Lord in the midst of suffering like this because it really does trigger trauma from childhood of abandonment, and but now it's different because it's with godly people, you know, and 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 I didn't expect that, so I didn't expect this kind of wave or situation to happen. And so I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, why, why are we, why, why do I have to walk through this? Yeah, like, yeah. And I think it's because I always have this expectation that being a believer, like it's going to get easier, but it's not. <laughs> you found the opposite to be true. I found the opposite to be true. And having to really wrestle with that, um, it's, I don't know. It's really, it's tough because I think I want, I, th- I think I so badly want suffering to not exist, but that is not the reality in this world and life that we live in. 
but in the next it will be. And I'm excited for that. And I just want that to happen now. But now, like, even in like what Paul said, he was just like, this is all momentary affliction, which is like preparing us for the a weight of glory in the next. And I'm like, this doesn't feel momentary. <laughs> right? It feels inevitable and every day and, and like all the time. And it and it's hard and it's frustrating. I don't want it and I hate it. And um, but like Christ suffered and he suffered way worse than the situation I'm going through. And I think all I can do is look to Jesus in these moments and be honest with him, um, be angry with him because he can handle it. I think I sometimes believe that my emotions are too much for God and he can't handle it, but he's God. Yeah. Like he can handle them. So, yeah. yeah. I love that verse that you referenced about those momentary afflictions Mm -hmm. um, because I think momentary, like you just said, Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel momentary Mm -hmm. because it feels so large and so big. But then when you take your gaze out and you look through this heavenly gaze and you see that momentary, it will be just, that's it. Yeah. And then we don't ever endure it ever again. Right. That's it. Yes. Um, suffering is hard. A lot of times suffering, I think as a Christian, yeah. can do one or two things. Yeah. It can push you towards the Father. Yeah. Or sometimes we see the opposite happen yeah. of where it turns someone and they go, how could a good God yeah. let this happen? Yeah. Um, it sounds like fortunately you're drawing closer to him in the midst of all this suffering. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think because God and I have done this plenty of times to where I'm someone that's very stubborn and I would relate mostly to the prodigal son where I'll squander my dad's riches because I didn't really want my dad. I just wanted what he could give me. Mm. And I didn't realize that until recently where the Lord's revealing that and even just reading stories in the word. And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) I'm the Israelite. (laughs) I'm the prodigal son and I'm totally a Peter. And, um, and and through this now, this new situation that has happened, like I've tasted what it's like to be on that other side and it wasn't worth it. It mm. actually made me feel more dead than alive. And I'd rather struggle and suffer and know that God's with me than try and avoid and numb and pretend that like life is great. You've done that. Yeah. And it doesn't work. No. It looks yeah. good on the outside though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. But I'm still miserable on the inside. But you crash and burn. It's like, you, and it's mm-hmm. like physically you can't even keep that up. No, no. So I'm guessing that you have close friends mm-hmm. that you're able to process all of this with. Yeah. Because yeah. there's been a couple of things that I don't want anyone to miss that you've said is number one, you've used the word counseling a lot. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of that. Um, you've said medicine, mm-hmm. which we're not ashamed of over here yeah. at the happy hour either. Yeah. And then- like being able to be vulnerable with community. And I think that those are just crucial to everything you said you've walked through because I feel like a lot of times people are walking through life with these wounds, with these feelings of abandonment, with these feelings of inadequacy. Right. And they don't ever talk about it. Right. All they're stuck in is their mind. Yeah. And our mind is the worst breeding ground to stay in. Our mind is the worst. It's the worst. In fact, I'm studying Romans 8 with some friends. And we were talking about the mind the other day. Mm. And Paul says this in Romans 8, for those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their Mm. mind set on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, Mm. but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Mm. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That sounds so like 
Wow, Paul, thank you. But then he says yeah. this, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And we started to talk about how much our thought life and our yeah. minds affect our entire life. Yeah. And Trillia Newbell is writing the study that we're doing. Yeah. And she talked about how sometimes the things in our head mm-hmm. that are sinful, yeah. envy, jealousy, mm-hmm. greed, unworth, all these things yeah. that our mind can sit on, but we could go about our day and no one ever knows. Right. But Paul's like, hey, you need to put your mind on things above mm-hmm. because you have the spirit. And so yes. I think our minds are just so, it, they're so important. Yeah. And I think Dr. Vic would agree with me about yeah. that as well. <laughs> <He> totally would. <laughs> that our minds are important. Yes, yes. Thrive Market delivers organic and sustainable groceries right to your door. Just recently, I went to Thrive Markets. I got my account and I stocked up on snacks because my kids all day long, mom, we need more snacks. We need more snacks. And what I loved about it is I could go straight to Thrive Market. I could pick out that I wanted vegan or paleo or gluten-free, whatever might meet our family's needs. And they are going to deliver it straight to my door. And I'm a happy mama. And those kids are happy kids. As a Thrive Market member, your paid membership provides a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values, like paleo, keto, or plant-based, delivering the highest quality organic and sustainable essentials from groceries, healthy snacks, meat and seafood, clean wines, non-toxic cleaning, bath and body, and stuff for your pets, which I also got some great dog bones for my sweet little puppers. As a member, you're going to save 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices, and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. In addition to membership matching, which is so phenomenal that they do that, Thrive Market has raised over $750,000 to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. If this sounds like something you're interested, go to thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. Join today and you're going to get a free gift of your choosing up to $22 in value. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash happy hour because you're listening on the happy hour. Go there today to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. I don't know about you guys, but schooling at home was quite an adjustment. I was trying to work. My kids were trying to do school. I'm trying to keep up with what their teachers are doing. It was really difficult. And it's times like these that inspired me to check out Laurel Springs. Online learning might be new for your family, but Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum that your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses. And Laurel Springs is accredited with the Western Association of Schools and Colleges Incognia, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com slash happy hour today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash happy hour for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com slash happy hour. Okay, so Becca, Mm -hmm. I always ask people what they're loving and what they're reading. Mm. What am I loving? Bring it to me, girl. I'm loving films right now. I watched this film called Beautiful Boy. (gasps) It is so good. (laughs) I ugly cried. 
Yes. And I think what was most beautiful about this movie, sorry if this is a spoiler. Spoiler is, alert, spoler alert. But it's okay, it's an it autobiography. Yeah, yeah it's come on. whatever. Um, what was so beautiful about it was that, so the Lord really speaks to me through like stories and like even secular films, like it can give me questions and when I go talk to the Lord, but this film particularly changed my view of like suffering and the fact that the main character who's struggling with a drug addiction had a loving father and a mother. I mean, they they were divorced, but like themes, things were seemingly healthy, but sin still got him. And he still like, and it affected everyone. Everyone, even the little kids. Yes, and it was just so sad. But there was redemption, which is like the best part about stories is that through like all of the sin and like, um, our depravity when there's redemption it just makes the story that much better and so that's what I love about the Bible is that there's so many stories of redemption in it because it is a story of redemption yeah. in Christ so yeah beautiful boy great real quick about that movie yes. Steve Carell oh love him he was so good in that and he's not oh. a funny it's not a funny show no it's very much drama he's serious. a versatile actor he's very versatile he's good there's another movie called Say You Will and it deals with um a young boy, teenager, his dad committed suicide and his mom, she's processing it, but he's just kind of on his own. Say you will. Say you will. Okay. It's so good. Okay. And and he's a singer and uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But yes, yeah, so those are films I'm, I'm loving. I love reality TV too. Yeah. What do you watch? <laughs> I watch The Bachelorette. Oh my are gosh. Of course me? you do. I knew that you did. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I like love reality TV. It's the best. So. Well, and you were mm-hmm. at the Happy Hour Live yeah. when Catherine Lowe was there. Yes. And um, I loved interviewing her. Yeah. Because even after we mm-hmm. cut off the microphones when I interviewed her for the show, 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 like whatever yeah. every listener heard, just some of the stories that she told. Yeah. And also hearing her talk in the interview mm-hmm. that I did with her, like that's where she was like reading the Bible with people. Like behind right. the scenes right. that they don't show. Exactly. There's some normal people. Yes. So the celebrity that you would love to sit down with and have, or, or photograph. Ooh. Um, I'd love to photograph, can I say three people? Mm-hmm. I'd love to photograph Brad Pitt. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. I love him. <laughs> and, I lo- and I'm interested by his story. And then I'd love to photograph Viola Davis. And then I can't let go of my Biebs. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Yes. I think he's re- he has such a unique platform that he gets to talk about God and he has to talk openly about his struggles. And he's like in, and he's married. So it's so like, man, every, yeah. your whole life is on display. Yes. But, Which yeah. I am don't know that would be fun. No, no, not at all. Um, okay. This is, this is why I love the happy hour because we can go from Justin Bieber <laughs> to depression, yeah. to single net, all kinds yeah. of things. Okay. So I cut you off. You said films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Film, reality TV shows. Reality TV. And then books that I'm reading. I actually brought one a day. Um, it's titled Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. And if it's okay, I just wanted to read this really short excerpt. Yes. Um, it literally rocked my world. As this is a new a book. I think it just came out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. So she wrote here, and this is from her book, Let Me Be a Woman. It says, hear the call of God to be a woman. Obey that call. Turn your energies to service, whether your service is to be to a husband and through him and the family and home, God gives you to serve the world or whether you should remain in the providence of God, single in order to serve the world without the solace of a husband, home and family, you will know fullness of life, fullness of liberty and fullness of joy. 
why don't we just end the podcast there? Done. <laughs> like, literally that, I've been hanging on to that. And this book has been really helping me in this season that I'm in of surrendering and trusting the Lord with the present suffering that I'm walking through and remembering this, literally the simple truth that it's never for nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the other book that I'm reading is called Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. It's a fantasy book. So good. So good. I'm not into fantasy books. I know. Jamie. There's nothing. I can't, <laughs> I've fallen asleep in every Lord of the Rings. Like I just, I know. I know. I can't do I'm it. I'm so offended. I know. <laughs> I need like a story that could really happen. Like Beautiful Boy. Like I need that. <sighs> yeah. Something more truthful. A Star is Born could mm -hmm. happen, but you yeah, know what I mean? It never happened though. Yeah. But. <laughs> okay. What else are you reading? And then um, another book that I'm reading is called Rethinking Sexuality. And it's by Dr. Julie Slattery. And she's just a disciple maker for- every believer that falls into the camp of sexual brokenness. And I think that's all of us. Yeah. So it's been really healing for me. Becca. Jamie. I'm so happy that you sat down with me. <laughs> me too. First I podcast. Really... Is this your first podcast interview ever? No. <laughs> so you're not special for that. <laughs> Who else? Have, what else have you done? Tell them to me. I actually produce a podcast called Breakfast at Stinson's. And Wait, got... you're not, you're like, oh, I produce a podcast. <laughs> about you I just I'm telling you I'm a mystery <laughs> I just I like to keep certain things like you interesting about me a podcast yeah it was it was you no walk into my studio and I don't even know that you're a producer I would have acted more professional <laughs> I thought I'm bringing in Becca she don't know nothing about podcasts I, I don't I love I love it I get to still learn hey so. what podcast is this it's called breakfast at Simpsons we got to talk about the meaning of life and so he interviewed all these different like successful like um, people. And one of them was a producer that produced this movie called Life Itself. Um, his name is Matt Bowen. He's out in LA from Texas. And that was probably my favorite episode to like produce because that's like where I want to be at. And he's like, in 10 years, I want to be a Fort Worth football coach. And it's just so cool because he's like in his forties and he's still dreaming. And so it was awesome. Yeah. So have you been on the show? Yeah, I have one episode. So is this your second podcast interview? This is actually my third. Oh my gosh. What's the other one? <laughs> the other one is a pending podcast my best friend Liz and I are doing. And we're just talking. Okay, wait, time out. Yes. Not only did you produce a podcast, but now you're like, I'm going to make my own podcast. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> this is the best ending to a podcast ever. <laughs> I thought so special for about five you seconds. Did. <laughs> okay, well, so, I wanted you to. Thank so, you. You did yes. a great job. Thank you. <laughs> so me and my best friend, Liz, we are making a podcast. It's going to be called On the Table. And we're just going to be talking about everything that has to do with being single women, friendship, race, and dating. And so, yeah. This sounds amazing. Yeah. I would offer my help, but I don't think you need it. <laughs> <laughs> we might. We might. Oh, I doubt yes. it. You have You're a, a producer. Oh, <laughs> um, Becca, thank you. Thank you so much. And I feel like that there's about 78 things that you that I don't know about you <laughs> that that would come out if we sat here and talked for another hour. But in all seriousness, I'm super thankful for your honesty and vulnerability revolving around just trauma and walking through that and seeking counseling and mm -hmm. depression. And it's just been, it's been a pure joy to hear you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thankful for you. You guys, I love Becca so much. And I know that you guys can see all the reasons why from our conversation. I promise you, you're gonna wanna go follow her on Instagram, okay? Because she is so much fun. 
she's going to brighten your day when you watch her Instagram stories. And also, she does all my photography. So if you see me looking good in a photo at Happy Hour Live or lots of other things, she is the woman behind the camera. Becca, thanks for being you. Thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for coming on the Happy Hour and bringing such a bright light for the future of so many women. Today's show is edited by Chris with Pod Shaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slackers, and this whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Emily Maynard-Johnson. That's right. Becca, today's guest, loves The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And next week, we have a real-life Bachelorette right here on The Happy Hour. Last month, when I was in North Carolina, I sat down with Emily, and we talked about her life before, during, and after The Bachelor. I know you're going to love meeting Emily on The Happy Hour. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with Emily Maynard-Johnson. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.